A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So you saw the game on Sunday. Is this just who Jameis Winston is? And if the Bucks were to clean house after this season, would the new regime want to keep Winston at all? And what will the Bucks do without Quan Alexander now that he's on injured reserve for this season? And will they pull the trigger on any trades before the Tuesday deadline next week? We have all those questions and more answered on this mailbag edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstick. And, hey, you guys got to add something to your bucket list. If you haven't done it, do this, because I have, and it's a blast. It's swimming with the manatees. That's right. Seven days a week, you can do just that with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Take the kids. Take the neighbors. This is a blast. Ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour, and be sure to ask about their free offer, for active law enforcement and U.S. military. Now, that requires a purchase of two silver tickets at the regular price. After that, you're eligible for the free tour. Now, through the end of October, here's the deal. You save 15% off the cost of a kayak rental, and Captain Mike has uh, the nicest selection of kayak rentals, by the way, in the entire area. You have to go swim with these creatures. These are the most gentle things. They're massive, but they they are absolutely uh, playful and safe and, and it's just it's a hoot to go swim with them please book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or you can call 352-571-1888 that's captain mike's swimming with the manatees so the bucks back at it uh, today in preparation for their game at cincinnati coming off that emotional overtime win that they had on sunday against the cleveland browns and and some tough luck uh, of course with uh, the loss of Quan alexander Jack Cici, too, both of them with torn ACL, so they are out for the season. It's going to be tough to replace Alexander. That goes sort of without saying, but they're going to try to do it. On Monday, they you know, re-signed Riley Bulla. If you remember, he was the guy from a year ago, the hard knocks, you know, uh, all that stuff. Captain Dirt, or, or Joe Dirt, I guess it was Captain Dirt. Joe Dirt uh, cut the hair, though, and uh, he was going to make the football team. He got injured right before the end of the preseason, and they reached an injury settlement. Well, now he's eligible to come back, and he has. That was on Monday. And then on Tuesday, the Bucks signed Kevin Minter from LSU, who actually was a teammate of Alexander's way back when. His former Cardinal, he was a second-round pick. He was drafted when Jason Light was part of the Cardinals' front office, so they have a history with him. Played for the Bengals, and then uh, this past year, he was in training camp with the Jets and got caught right before the start of the regular season. So they get a guy that has some experience and then bring back a guy that they're familiar with. And uh, at this stage, you know, that's that's about all you can do. So um, we'll be over there and, and talk to Dirk Cutter and others, of course, today uh, all about uh, the changes at linebacker and whatnot. So lots of Bucks questions. Without further ado, let's do it, Steve. All right, we'll start with Quan Alexander. And Sam asks, in my eyes, Quan Alexander is the best defender on the team. How drastically will losing him affect this team? 
Well, I don't think he's the best defender on the team. Um, I, I think he's in the top three maybe, but I, I do believe that uh, it, it's a very important position. I, I think that Levante David is probably better overall with his overall game in terms of consistency, tackling, blitzing, coverage, all that. Uh, but, but there's no question, when you're the Mike linebacker, you are by position sort of the quarterback of the defense. You know, you don't have to appoint the guy really the captain because he's pretty much running things. And so Quan has a big job getting everybody lined up and all those things. Plus, he plays with the most fire. I think that that's the reason why, you know, when he had this injury and tore his ACL, of course, you saw the guys know how serious it was. Everybody came out immediately knowing his his season was over. Um, But they're going to miss his passion. I mean, I I just don't – I don't see how you replace, you know, sort of what the energy um, that he brings to their huddle and to their game – like him or, or dislike him, I mean, I thought the first few games this season he was guessing too much. You know, he was taking himself out of some plays. Um, you know, wasn't very good in coverage. Uh, but he had his best half of football, and it's always that way, right? When you finally start to play really, really well, something happens. But he had like seven tackles in the first half against the Browns. The one thing they'll do is, you know, they'll move a Darius Taylor to Quan's spot at Mike Linebacker. Levante, there's a chance, will wear – sort of the helmet communicator just because he's been in the defense and he's done that before. So the communication aspect of it may actually go to Levante. And then, you know, they just brought back Devante Bond, who was with the team and, and released because of injuries and now is back. And he's going to wind up starting at uh, the Sam, Sam linebacker position, strong side linebacker. So it's a whole new cast except for Levante, and they'll definitely miss him. But these guys have all played before. All right, Z Football asks, do you think that Kendall Beckwith will take over that Mike linebacker spot once he returns? I do. I don't know, though. It doesn't look good for Kendall right now, and you get mixed things. Now, he was eligible beginning last week to begin practicing again with the Bucks because they put him on the non-football injury list, you know, and it's it's a reserve list right now, but, um, you know, or an active list, I'm sorry. And, and at some point, they you know, they have about – once they get him on the practice field, they have, I think, up to like three weeks to to get him in football shape, and then and then they got to make a decision whether he's going to become active or not. Um, he has told us that it's going to be sooner than we think, but quite frankly, you know, he had an automobile accident back in April, and he screwed up his ankle. It was probably more than broken bones, you would surmise, if it's taken this long, and he's still not back on the football field. When he does come back, though, I you know I absolutely see him sort of getting the opportunity to take over, um, you know, at, at the, the Quan's position because he can do a lot of those same things. He's a bigger body guy. I don't know how great he is in coverage, but he can rush the passer, and he absolutely is a sideline-to-sideline tackle guy. So um, that would be a break for them if they could get Kendall Beckwith back. But I think that's why – I think it's sort of a tell that they sign Minter because I think that kind of tells you that – even when Beckwith does, let's say he practices this week, you can't expect the guy hasn't played any kind of football since last January to jump out there, you know, after a couple of days of practice. So it's going to take him a while to get back. All right, Ellis asks, was this Sunday the last time we get to see Quan play in a Buccaneers jersey? You know, I don't know. Um, my guess would be probably not, um, although it's not a lock. I mean – I don't think the Bucks know exactly what they're going to do as we as we talk about this tonight, uh, and, and they don't have to know right away either. You know, the thing is, is that 
Quan becomes a free agent in March after this season, and it's really tragic because he was looking at a big payday literally almost any day from now. Um, and so, you know, he misses out on that. And, and when you get to March, he will not be able to pass a physical. He'll still be in the rehab phase. It's going to take about eight or nine months to come back from that ACL tear. So when, you know, other teams, if they were to bring him in, you know, he's not going to be able to work out. He's not going to be able to show sort of how he's come back from that injury, if he has his speed, um, what limitations, if any, that sort of thing. So basically teams are going to have to just take a flyer, you know, and he'd be a pretty good one to gamble on, you know, because I think ACLs have kind of become the Tommy John of football. I mean, there's like 40 guys this season that have torn their ACLs, and it's brutal and it's a, it's a tough rehab, but guys come back, you know, we've seen Adrian Peterson do it and gain 2,000 yards. Now he's kind of a freak, but my point is it doesn't have to be a major drop-off in performance once they come back from them. You may be vulnerable to have it happen again, um, so somebody may just say, you know, this guy's a good player before he got hurt. He's going to be a good player after he gets hurt. I think some one of the teams, maybe it was Alan Hearns, one of those guys that, that was injured, um, you know, the, the team went ahead and signed him to a three-year deal with, um, you know, millions and millions of dollars as if they had not gotten hurt. I don't see the Bucks doing that necessarily, but I, I do think that they'll have the advantage of knowing where his rehab is at that other teams won't when they get to free agency and if they feel good about it um they may go ahead and extend them and try to lock them up for you know good money that he would you would think he'd accept it may not be top you know elite uh luke keekley like uh you know status but certainly after what he's been through he'd probably be happy to have it so i do think somehow he comes back next year but then again i've been wrong all right mike was wondering about insurance for a guy like Quan. are the bucks able to get some sort of injury policy or something to help them out you know, I'm not sure how that works. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think players can do that on their own as far as, you know, insuring maybe, I don't know, future earnings or something against injury. I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, obviously the team's only guarantee, you know, if, if like, for example, you know, he got hurt this year, right, and they still owe him money. Well, anytime you're injured, you know, and say they were thinking about cutting you, say you were kind of a B player and, you go out there and they're thinking, we just need a couple weeks from this guy and boom, we're back on the practice squad. And that guy goes out there and gets hurt. They owe you, you know, as if you're playing the whole season. And that's sort of your protection right there is that, you know, Quan Alexander could never play another down of football, but he's going to get paid for the entire year. Um, as far as insurance, though, against that, I'm not aware of it through the league per se because – I don't mean unless you paid enormous premiums, you know, you would you would be paying a lot of players not to play. But um, I'm sure, you know, there's guys that take out even in college, Lloyd's of London and, you know, various uh, personal insurance policies in case they were to get hurt before they got to the NFL. I'd assume you could probably do that once you're in the league. All right, we'll switch gears a little bit. And I'm going to combine these two questions. One from Alejandro, yeah. who asked, as a fan of the Bucks, is this just who Jameis is? Should I as a fan expect two picks a game? Meanwhile, Tom asked, is it time to move on from Winston? At this point, we know that he's a turnover machine who can't connect on the deep ball and isn't incredibly accurate. He hasn't grown significantly since rookie year. Why do people hang on to hope that he will? <laughs> he's a very I positive guy, Thomas. <laughs> he really is, man. Glass half full. Well, you know what's funny is that there. I mean, there's a lot. There's, you, you, you hear, you know, just how polarizing this guy is, right? And mm -hmm. he and has been from the draft. I mean, I I did the draft, and obviously. The Bucks had a decision to make, you know, Winston, Mariota, that sort of thing. 
Um, I, I'm not sure you'd want either one necessarily right now to build your franchise around the way things have gone. It's funny how that works out. People said that Mariota was a guy that, you know, might struggle in the pro offense, but he's also, you know, kind of fragile, might get hurt a lot, and that's come to pass. And what they say about Jameis when he, when he was coming out? Turns the ball over a hell of a lot. Oh, and then there's this other off-the-field issue. Well, hello, you know, both of those have shown up um, and continue to show up in his game. I'll take the first one first. I think this is who Jameis is. Now, having said that, I also have seen him get got. He's he's gotten better, even though it seems like every week he stands up there and says, "I got to learn how to not to turn the ball over," and he still does. But I actually think he's doing a better job in some areas of protecting the ball, like keeping two hands on it when he's in traffic, um, completing more passes, like he's willing to to let the defense dictate where the ball goes instead of forcing throws down the field. We still see him do it from time to time, obviously, but. Um, I think I think he is better, but this is who he is. He's always going to push the envelope. He's always going to compete really hard. I think for the most part, you don't want to coach any, you know, take all of that out of the guy. That's what you liked about him in the first place. Um, but it, but it is sort of who he is. I think that's his his DNA. You know, he's going to fight you for every yard and going to think he can make every throw. And you know, I think I think he's learned at times. You know, to take what's in front of him. And that, and that's that's a work in progress, but it is it is sort of who he is. And as far as moving on, I'm con, I'm going to be consistent with this. They are not moving on from Jameis Winston. I don't know how bad he would have to play on the field for them to actually not honor the fifth year, uh, which is guaranteed only against injury. So they could easily say, you know what, we're not we're not doing that. You're you're healthy. You can pass a physical, and we're we're not going to give you the twenty million dollars. But you know, I just believe that the Glazers are so sold on this guy, both on and off the field. And if you talk to them or you talk to other people in the organization, they say, yeah, but, you know, like, we're not happy with what happened that got him suspended three three games. Yeah, but it was two and a half years ago. Yeah, but he's a different guy now. Yeah, but he's married. Yeah, but he has children. And, you know, that's sort of how they they genuinely feel. And I don't think love is too strong of a word. You know, I think the Glazer family loves Jameis, and they want to see him get every opportunity, which would which would go beyond this year and into next year, and and very possibly with a new head coach or um, or, or coaching staff. You know, to 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 be given an opportunity to see if they could save him. So he's not going anywhere soon. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I I don't think I am. Okay, Stephen asks: Assuming that the Bucks end up with another bad season and Cutter and Light and company are fired. Do you think a new head coach would keep Winston, as the Glazers love him, or look for his own quarterback in the draft and trade and or cut Winston? I'm of the firm believer. It may depend on who the coach is, but I think that if I'm the Glazers and knowing how they feel about Jameis, one of the answers to the test when they interview coaches will be, what's your plan for Winston? Can you save him? What do you see? You know, Is this a guy um, that we can keep and make better? You know, Are you the quarterback whisperer? And I think that's who they'll be looking for. You know, I think they'll be looking for somebody specifically. And I'll throw names out. This isn't going to happen because I don't think he's leaving. But let's say Jim Harbaugh, you know, um, did a hell of a job with Colin Kaepernick his best years, went to a Super Bowl. That If Jim Harbaugh somehow was available and they could talk him into it, you know, he would probably say, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll take him on for a year or so and see how it goes. I think that's what they're going to want. Um, whether the coach that they hire wants it or not is a different kind of a different subject. I remember 
you know, Greg Schiano came in and Greg really wasn't the biggest Josh Freeman fan. And more or less, you know, the ownership said, you know, we want you to be our head coach and we want you to help that guy. And he actually had a pretty good first year under Schiano and then the wheels just fell off and we know what happened. It was a complete and total meltdown. So, um, you know, it's not always good to force a quarterback on a, on a new coach. And, and depending on how bad their record is, if they were in a position to draft a guy, then maybe that changes the, uh, the equation. But again, it's, it's, it's the Glazers football team. Remember that. And if they want Jameis Winston to be their quarterback, then by God, they're going to find a head coach that will agree to make that work. Doesn't part of that, uh, and we're assuming that it's a bad season, which means they're going to have a high draft pick. That's right. So, you know, part of that is when you have a high draft pick, and, and it may depend on who the quarterbacks are and what you feel about them, but you're sure. hoping you're never going to draft that high again. Isn't the pressure on kind of to take a quarterback? Yes. Absolutely. Every, because every because time if, if you win there. the next season, which is what you hope a new coach would come in, and, and you know, maybe you're not 12-4, and four, but you're 8-8, eight and eight, you're, you're not, not going to draft top five. You're going to draft, right. you know, 12, 15. That's right. So if you're, you're drafting exactly that right. high, is it almost pressure you have to take a quarterback in that regard? If you're not, well, you know, if you're not 100% sold on the quarterback you have. I think you should. It, it doesn't mean you will. I mean, I think about the New York Giants, and, of course, Eli Manning's a two-time MVP of the Super Bowl, and yet he hadn't played well in a minute, or very well in a minute, and they still took Saquon Barkley instead of some – instead of any number of quarterbacks, right? And they may be paying so, for that this season. I mean, they're they're and, not and, they're not a very it, good team, right? I'm, I'm I'm not saying it's the right decision, but I've seen teams do the opposite. Like they probably should have um, invested on a high, you know, as much as I love Barkley and I do, I think he's terrific. And I think he's going to probably be rookie of the year. But um, but yeah, uh, and, and that and that's an interesting scenario that. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about because if you if you added the component that say the Bucks just do like say they win one more game or no more games right um, and they finish with three or four wins well at that point you are, are probably probably you, you're picking one or two and if there's two quarterbacks there it may change your way of thinking totally about Jameis you may want to just get a fresh start depending on how you evaluate the new guy. Um, let Jameis go and let the new head coach and the new quarterback start together. And, you know, the Jameis Winston era ends up done and, and he's in Buffalo, you know, or where, wherever he lands next. But that would be the one, if the season really went in the brink, if it was really just, you know, scorched earth and they don't win again and you definitely have the number one or the number two overall pick, I think that could change things a little bit. Well, and you also have the ability of – you know, you still got Jameis on a one-year, you know, the fifth-year option that you picked up for $20 million. You're going to pay your rookie sure. quarterback, you know, Nothing. peanuts. So yeah. you could still you even have Winston in. start yeah. next year. And, sure. you know, what, what they did with, you know, Patrick Mahomes and stuff is, you know, your rookie quarterback at that point doesn't have to come in and start next year. Great point. All right, Isaiah asks, Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith have been allowing more pressures on the quarterback the last few games than in the first two games. Are they soft or playing hurt? Also, do you think Dirk's loyalty to a player like Caleb Beninoct? In- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Interferes with his judgment on who should start. No, because I, I, I you know, he, first of all, we should never confuse really Dirk's loyalty after seeing him fire Mike Smith. I think we know what he's loyal to. Um, he's loyal to the football team and he's going to do what's best and he would play me and with my bad knee if he thought I could block somebody. Um, he would, he would, and, and, and mm-hmm. Dirk, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm not, he's, I'm probably not a, he's probably not a big fan of mine, but, um, regardless, they're not playing Benenock because he plays favorites. I just don't, I've never known, you know, it's kind of like the Lombardi thing. It's like, you know, he treats us all the same. He treats us like dogs. <laughs> and I'm not saying Dirk treats people like dogs. Because I think coaching, you have to treat each guy individually. Um, but by the same token, like you know, people really do get hung up on, well, this coach doesn't like this player, or and, and there are personalities that you know you're never going to get 52 guys that mesh, you know, to the head coach or to the, you know to the, each other perfectly. But coaches just want to win, and players just want to be successful. And somewhere in there, you know, they they're, they're looking for the same thing. And so I don't think it's a question of sacred cows or anything like that. I really don't. Well, the other, the other part, part of, of that is, is if coaches start playing favorites and don't play the best players, they lose the locker room. Well, absolutely. Because the players know who should be starting. That's exactly right. They do. They see it every day. And they got a big problem at, at right guard. I mean, it, you know, I think that, you know, when you talk about trading for players – Guard is a position that if there were a guy available that was any good, that was better than what you have, and they got Evan Smith as well. They've kind of been running him in there uh, during games with Ben and Ock. Uh, you, you know, that might be some place you look because I think it's one of the things that's hurting them in the running game. You know, you only have to be off just a little bit with those five guys. If one guy allows penetration or blows an assignment, then the run game ain't going to happen. You could have four guys that are, that are winning – uh, and then you know I've seen I've seen that spot that right guard spot be a problem for them. It just is, and they know it. They're not running from it. I, I I'm curious how long before they go. You know what? Let's just play Alex Kappa. You know, let's give this guy experience. Let's see what he can do. Now he's making a big big leap. You know, from where he came from, um, Division three, but uh, or one double A or whatever it is, or Division two, I guess uh, Humboldt State. Excuse me for the Humboldt fans out there, but for right now, this is what they got. And people are people are confused too that you know they they seem to they seem to think that NFL teams all have five great offensive linemen. I'm here to tell you, the best team in the NFL doesn't have five great players up front. They really don't. And you know you hide guys, you can give guys help. There's a lot of people that can't stand Donovan Smith. I don't get it is he is he joe thomas no uh but who is right all i know is like with with donovan you know he went out there and went against one of the elite pass rushers in this league and they and, and the bucks had 95 offensive snaps think about that it's was, it was 30 more than you, you typically get so they had 95 offensive snaps he gave up one sack okay and then probably about three pressures um, it wasn't perfect, okay? But let's say he successfully or adequately blocked 
one of the elite pass rushers in the league, um, 90 out of 95 plays. Is that a failure? I mean, is that, you know, yeah, if you gave up a sack, fumble, scoop, score, it might be the play that beats you. I get it. But, you, and then you go and you do it next week against another guy who's more athletic, higher paid, all of that. I mean, left tackle is a very tough job in this league, and they didn't give him much help. They didn't. They didn't put tight ends over there. They didn't chip on them with the running backs very much. He pretty much just tried to lock it down. So, I know you know what's happened in in the business, Steve, is that Pro Football Focus, which I'm not knocking them. They have, you know they they have a business model. They watch these games and they grade players. And I don't know who's doing it if these guys are know what they're looking at or not. But they'll put out these grades and. They say that Donovan Smith isn't a very good left tackle, and everybody just says, okay, well, they must know they watch more film than I do. Well, every team, you know, values certain aspects of, of what you do. I'm, you know, I, I know this, you know, particularly from the Lightning, and, and Steve Eiserman has said this for years of, you know, look, mm-hmm. when they traded for, or when they signed Dan Girardi, and everyone's like, you know, oh, he's, his course, he's awful, and this. And, and, mm-hmm. and Eiserman was like, look, we have our own metrics we look at, and he fits exactly what we're looking for him to do. Yep. And when he came to their team, he, he played a different role than what he was playing in New York and, and did very well. And everyone thought, oh, it's a great signing. At the time, it was ripped. It was like, oh, he's way past his prime in this. And, and I'm not saying the same thing, but, you know, the metrics are great and they're a great tool. But it, one set of metrics is not the end-all, be-all. You have to look at the bigger picture and, right. and the eye test, too, for some of it. Some of it's that and some of it's... Some of it's your you help know. on the line. I mean... You know, if, yeah. if, if he's if, played with a different guy every year. Yeah. And, and if, if you're helping to cover for the guard who's not doing as doing as well or the tight end is, is missing chipping or, or the running back and, and you're trying to cover for that, it, you know, it all affects it. And it's not saying Donovan's great or bad, just there generally is more than just one set of metrics or one set of, you know, oh, he didn't block this play or this. And Well, and that's the thing. Like, first of all, people don't understand, and even if you're in pro football, you're watching tape, you're watching the All-22, whatever, and you think you know what they're trying to do, you think you know the blocking assignments, but you don't know the call in the huddle. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know, you know, who's man, what, which way they were sliding protection. Um, you know, you see a guy, it's sort of like coverage, right? Like, you know, ball goes up in the air, receiver's open, closest guy to him, you go, oh, man, that guy got beat, you know? And chances are it's some guy trying to cover for the guy that got beat that's not even in the frame. Happens you know, to Chris Conte James, a lot for the Bucks. It did, It does, and people think, you suck. Well, no, he's such a good athlete that he managed to go the length of, or the width of the football field and push a guy out of bounds when it wasn't his guy to cover, you know? And that, that happens quite often. The interception that Winston had in overtime – which looked like one of, the, of course, the timing of it couldn't have been worse, and it looked for all the world like he threw that ball right to that dude. You know, like how did you not see him? Well, every interception has a story, and we seem to tell a lot of them with Jameis, and maybe that's unfair because uh, we don't do it with all the quarterbacks, but in this case, you know, they had Godwin open, uh, ran like a dig rat- route from right to left across the formation, and uh, Ronald Jones, who is a young player, still learning the passing game, comes out on an option route and turns the wrong way and runs his defender there in man coverage, runs his linebacker right into the path of the ball that's going to Godwin. So it was a mistake by another player um, that that put that player that intercepted the ball in position to make that play. And, you know, you go, oh, man, you know, that's kind of what a dumb throw by Jameis. So that's what I mean. Even pro football focus, 
they can they can assume they know what the assignment was, you know, and sometimes it's easy with Donovan Smith. But unless you're in the huddle, unless you know exactly what they were trying to do, you know, it's it's pretty hard to, to sort of get inside a guy's head and say, oh, he got beat, you know, just simply because somebody's got, you know, is is laying, the quarterback's laying under some guy that that was lined up against him. So, um, I look, I'm not saying Donovan Smith's ever going to a Pro Bowl. Some George Warhop thinks he's going to go to five or six. I, I tend to disagree with that. But uh, all I know is, that, and the other part of it is, he's available. You know, he plays every down. And, you know, I think there was a game in New Orleans he came out at the half. Uh, otherwise, he'd still have a streak of, of having played every snap since he's been a rookie in this league. Very hard to do, very unappreciated, and, you know, I know how the Bucks feel about him. I just, I'm baffled by why fans just climb up this guy's back so much. All right, Rick. The trade deadline is next Tuesday, October 30th, and John, we have several questions on this. First, John asked, "Do you see the Bucks making any trades before the deadline? For instance, safety Carl Joseph, since Whitehead has been hurt, and there's little depth there." Um, well, the trades have begun. You know, we've already seen you know Amari Cooper go to the Dallas Cowboys and. Um, you know, of course, we mentioned the whole deal with uh, the New Orleans Saints getting Eli Apple, that sort of thing. So that they've already begun. It's a deadline. It's not, you know, you can actually do it now. And I think there's going to be a lot of trades. seems to me like football has become a little more like baseball before the deadline where teams are far enough into the season where they know they're either going to make a run or maybe if you're the Cardinals, pull back, that sort of thing. Uh, will the Bucks make a deal before the deadline? Mm. I don't expect one necessarily. Uh, I think the Bucks' needs are so immediate and in an area where there may not be an abundance of guys, you know, wait, waiting to be traded. I mean, they needed linebackers like right now, and they lost two. Now they're back up to six already, but they were fortunate that they had, you know, at least uh, at least one guy, um, you know, that had had been in the system before, and then. Of course, Minter they're familiar with from the Cardinals and played at LSU and, and that sort of thing. Obviously, you know, Coach Buckner, the defensive line coach, knows them. Um, so, you know, there's there's some carryover there. But I think that's their answer to making a quick trade. Um, I, I don't I don't see them doing that. In fact, I don't know that they're going to make a deal at all. There'll be there'll be a lot of trades, but I don't know that the Bucks will be one. You know, it, it just all that remains to be seen, and it's about compensation what are you paying the other team to get this guy how many years does he have left how's he playing in the first place a lot of guys that are available for trade there's a reason why they're available so you got to kind of let that play out the bucks have not traditionally been a big trade deadline team um and some people were suggesting that if they didn't make a deal that they kind of it's kind of an acknowledgement that we're more than one player away and you know we're gonna we're gonna try to do what we can, but we know we're not going to the Super Bowl type of thing. Uh, I'm not sure they're giving up on the season just because they don't make a trade, but you know it's got to be the right fit. And I I I think everybody is. They're all looking. You know, if I were the Bucks, I think the number one thing that I would list would probably be you know defensive back, be that a safety or a corner, just because I've got a bunch of young guys running around back there. Well, on that note, Josh had asked, and he mentioned a couple of the injuries or Donovan's play being down. He said, Quan out with a major injury. injury. Does it change the long-term plans? He says, maybe a move for Le'Veon Bell or Patrick Peterson? Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, I don't know where that stands. I don't I don't see him moving on from Pittsburgh. Um, 
at all. Who were the other ones that they mentioned? Patrick, Patrick Peterson. Peterson. I think we, we've discussed that. That uh, My information, and I think it's good, is that the Cardinals themselves do not want to leave uh, part with Patrick Peterson. Clearly he has some interest in getting out of Arizona. I think his cousin was tweeting about it. Um, we did see New Orleans, you know, uh, who was reported to have some interest in Peterson, ended up having to settle for Eli Apple. So, I mean, here's a guy, again, that, you know, he's 28 years old in the prime of his career, multi-pro ball player, not a problem in the locker room. What would it take for you to give up that guy? I mean, it would take an awful, awful lot. All right, Jim asks, I know we need another linebacker, but I'm surprised we haven't made a move to get another defensive back. Very thin there as well. Seems like we could spare a tight end. And he specifically mentions Cross. <laughs> Good old Alan Cross, man. <laughs> we, nothing against Alan, but you know he was an undrafted free agent and is probably like their fourth tight end. So I'm I'm not sure what the market is for Alan Cross. Uh, whether you're going to get back a lot, but um, he's probably worth more to you than he is to somebody else. Let's put it that way. Um, they do have a lot of tight ends. It is a strength of their team. There's no doubt about that. They like Claire. Um, you know, I, the guy that, you know, that teams might want to dabble with if they couldn't get OJ Howard, of course, from the Bucks, you know, would be Cameron Bray because Howard's clearly, you know, going to play the majority of snaps. And, you know, problem is you look at Bray's production and the number of touchdowns he's had and still continues to get, it's hard to give up that guy. You know, it's, it's hard to say, well, we're good there, uh, because we have some depth at, at uh, tight end. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't see the Bucks again. I don't see the Bucks trading away many of their good players. Another, another, you know, another one that's popular is would they trade Deshaun Jackson? Now that makes a little more sense to me. I wouldn't do it, but it makes a little more sense in that if you've decided, you know, regardless of what happens the rest of the way, that you know Deshaun's contract next year isn't guaranteed. So you know he signed his three-year, thirty-three and a half, third or thirty-three and a half million dollar deal. But the third year is not not guarantee. If you're of the feeling that you're going to cut him anyway, and you're happy with Godwin, and you got Humphreys, it's not playing a lot, and you think, you know what, Jameis isn't good at throwing to him anyway, so we're going to give him to you know say the Philadelphia Eagles or whatever, um, and get draft picks back. That that wouldn't shock me. I just don't think that's where they're at. I think their head is, hey, we're we're still in this thing. We're three and three. We've got all the all the teams in the division coming to us still, um, and you know we want our best players too. So for that reason, I don't think you see Deshaun get traded. All right, Mike asks: Any truth to the rumor of Lashawn McCoy being traded to Tampa Bay? Uh, I haven't heard that one. Although I will say that the running back position, if there were going to be a trade or a player moving in here, that makes sense to me because I think Peyton Barber might be hurt. You know, Dirk Cutter said to us we'd get the injury report today, but I don't. He, you know, they used all three running backs in the last game, and he did not come back after a certain point. So have to keep a check, you know, mind on that. I mean, Ronald Jones got his first touchdown. Um, you know, had a pass reception. He's starting to get better and better. But I don't know that you want to turn and hand it to him 25 times a game. And then they got the rookie, Sean Wilson, who's been inactive. So, you know, could could a running back make his way in here? It, the, the problem is, like, how old is the guy going to be, you know? I think McCoy is, is like, 30 years He's old. He's 30 so. now. Yeah, it would be 31 next year in the last year of his contract. Yeah, and it's a, it's a decent-sized contract. But to think you're going to get by with a 31-year-old running back, I mean, that's sort of past the expiration date. And, you know, 
I don't know that I would do that, but look, it, there's a good argument to be made that it can't be all five guys on the offensive line screwing up, and and it's the ultimate team game. But you know, those running backs are just not putting the fear of God in anybody. They're not breaking enough long runs, uh, and again, they don't not getting a lot of clean looks either. But you know, you could make the argument that you know, let's try a more established, more you know, consistently productive running back throughout his career than what we got. So some great questions are our mailbag as usual, all buck centric. And that makes sense because we are at the trade deadline and the bucks at three and three with a very important game at Cincinnati to see if they can now get on a winning streak and, and, and sort of make a push for this thing. It's such a great feeling at the start of the year with two straight wins. And it's been a long time, but a couple of tough games coming up on the road at Cincinnati and the Bengals and then at Carolina. And so by the time the bucks get back home again, to Raymond James Stadium, we'll probably have a little better picture. And uh, at that point, in fact, we'll be uh, what we'll be halfway through the season. So be at the midway point. Anyway, uh, thanks for, for those questions. We've got a big show tomorrow. Of course, the Lightning are at Colorado as they continue this uh, kind of a West Coast swing here. That'll take them to Las Vegas and then Arizona. And we're going to have Matt Baker, the college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times, is going to join us. And what a big weekend in college football. I'll tell you what, I hope we have a nice little cool front come through here, grill out some steak. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to be in Cincinnati. I can't do that. But it'll probably be uh, cool you there. Can do that. And you can watch all these. Yeah, it would be definitely cool there. You can watch all these great games. We've got uh, the Florida Georgia game, of course, is the world's largest cocktail party. They don't want you to say that, but that's what it is. Um, I, think, uh, I think College Game Day is there in Jacksonville Correct. this weekend. And then you, you got Clemson and FSU, which sounds like a great game on paper because it's been a big rivalry in the ACC, except Florida State can't handle Clemson anymore. And so I, I expect uh, the Seminoles maybe to go down. And then USF Houston, a USF team that's been playing with fire against the likes of Tulsa and UConn, finally take a step up in class here. And I uh, got to hope they don't, don't, they don't get got by, uh, by the Houston Cougars because that has happened before. Uh, tough game for, for USF, I think. And just remember, if you're looking for something to do now with your kids on the weekend uh, that's coming up here in just a little while, still time to uh, enjoy some of, the, some of the warm weather before it starts to turn a little bit, even in Florida, go to Crystal River and go see Captain Mike swimming with the manatees. I'm telling you, uh, it sounds like, well, wow, I don't know if I want to get in the water with these giant creatures. They are the most gentle things in the world, and it is so cool to be in there and be part of nature. Um, you can rent kayaks. You can do all of that at Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees. So go online to swimmingwiththemanatees.com or you can uh, always call 352-571-1888. Uh, my thanks again to Steve Versnick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>